We begin our series, The Way, for Lent. The Way was the name for the early Christian church. Before they were called Christians, they were simply called The Way, because they followed the ways of Jesus Christ. Jesus' teaching, how Jesus lived. And so as we look at this in these texts through the Gospel of Mark, primarily through Lent, our series is called The Way. What does it mean for us to be part of that tradition, part of that ancestry of folks that never set out to be a religion, but set out to be a way of life? Let us pray. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be encountered, your forgiveness and grace experienced, and that your love would show us the way. Amen. Amen. I'm a talker. Some of you have come to know that about me, which I guess is a good thing if you're going to be a preacher. Maybe. But my wife knows this about me. So not long ago, we were going into, uh, I don't know what you call it, like a reclaimed furniture store in Hendersonville that, where we grew up, and, and she likes it. We'd gone over there looking for some furniture for my daughter's room. And it was my first time in this store. And as we walk in, she looks and she points out a gentleman in the store. And she said, that's Andy. I said, okay. She's like, he's the owner of the store, runs it with his daughters. And I'm just going to tell you, he's a talker. He's like you. And I went, all right. And she said, no, 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 no. We're on a mission to find something. And just realize if you start talking to him, and you're not prepared, we will be here all day. I'm the kind of guy that when you ask me how I'm doing, I might just tell you. It took me about 25 years of life to realize that when folks ask you, how are you doing, they didn't really want to know. It's just a general custom, a general greeting. And you're supposed to say fine. Or, you know, maybe, yeah, okay. I had a professor that when you asked him how he was doing, he would say, if I was any better, I'd be twins. He was always in a good mood. You ever thought about why we do that? Just sort of that cultural custom of greeting. And... The near parts of Asia, Asia and ancient Middle Eastern culture, sometimes when you greeted somebody, instead of asking them how they were doing, you would give them a compliment. And so a man runs up to Jesus and says, good teacher. He starts that with a compliment. What must I do? to obtain or inherit eternal life. And the custom would be that you would give a compliment back. So I might run up to John and say, John, nice sweater. I like it. And he would go, hey, you know, pretty cool stole, Pastor Ed. And then you would proceed with the conversation. 
So Mark already puts us on alert. Because it's kind of weird, right? That this man runs up to Jesus and he calls him good. And then Jesus has that no one but God is good. Response? But he's already setting the tone because what he's telling us is this man doesn't really understand and know who Jesus is. Remember, Mark writes the gospel. We've been talking about this with our Jesus Revealed series that we just finished. To reveal who Jesus is to us, that he is the Son of God. And he doesn't say, you know, good Son of Man or Son of God. He just calls him good teacher. And if you're following along in the Gospel of Mark, right, we've just come through chapter 8 and chapter 9, where Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ and Jesus is transfigured. And we see him in all his glory. That was last week before we started Lent. And so now we have this man who runs up to Jesus and says, good teacher. And Jesus goes instantly, though, into where this man might be able to meet him and might understand him into rabbi, which means teacher mode. Because he looks at him and says, well, okay, let's talk about what you must do to inherit eternal life. Heather, can you go back in that scripture for me on the slide? Go back, 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 and back one more, one more, one more, and right there. Nope, one forward. And so Jesus looks at him and says, well, scripture says, do these sound familiar? Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery, right? Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Honor your father and mother, yada, 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 is sort of what Jesus does here on and on and on. And so the man says, I've done all of these things since I was a boy. I've done all of these things. And we're going to get to that kind of, have you? Have you really? All of these things? You've never told a lie? Who are you, George Washington? <laughs> but, and Jesus then looks at the man and says, okay, one more thing. It's really the teaching, right? You're lacking one thing. Go sell all that you own and give it away to the poor. And it tells us the man went away sad because he had many possessions. So now I have to go back a slide, though, to those things that Jesus said. Don't commit all of these things. Yes. The word for possessions here can mean our material stuff. But on an even deeper level, what this usually means in the Greek is the land possession. So... It generally means, yes, it could mean all the stuff that goes on the land, like the house and everything with it, or the farm, but most of it meant the land. So he owned a lot of land. And in that time and place, what would you do if you owned a lot of land? You would rent it out. That's the nice way of saying. You would rent it out to tenant farmers and charge them whatever you felt was a worthy price. Kind of like being a tax collector. You collect the, collect the taxes and then whatever else to make your own money. 
And so Jesus looks at this man and says, go and sell all the land and give it to the poor, meaning the tenant farmers, perhaps, it doesn't say it directly, right? Perhaps that you've been taking advantage of. How does that put a new spin on this, right? Because go back to this list. Now, I know some of you went through confirmation class or, or Sunday school class or a vacation Bible school class where we made you memorize the Ten Commandments. When you look at this list, one of these kids is doing his own thing. I grew up with the electric company and, and Sesame Street. One of these does not belong. Right? The rest are from the Ten Commandments. So when Jesus gives you this list, there's already a hint at where he is leading this man. Which one doesn't fit? It's the only one not italicized because the others are quoted. Don't cheat. Or some say, don't defraud in some translations. Don't take advantage of others for money and wealth. And the typical practice of the landowner was to take advantage of owning the land. And sometimes that meant taking advantage of people. So Jesus looks at this man and says, first of all, he loved him. Did you catch that in the reading? He looked at him and he loved him. Regardless of whatever this man's past is, Jesus loves him. He invites him to go sell all the land, let go of serving money, and follow. And those words should sound familiar. Let it go. Leave your boats and your fishing nets in chapter 1 for, Jane, for, uh, for Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And follow me. When we had the calling of Levi or Matthew, the tax collector, leave the tax collecting booth and follow me. Leave behind the life you knew and follow me. It's a different way of living. And Jesus invites this man to a new way of life. And he goes away sad. We're not told, right? I'm an eternal optimist. I like to think he reconsidered. You know, it was just a difficult decision for him. And after he walked away, eventually he sold it all, gave it to the poor, and went and followed Jesus. Because you, Could you imagine passing up what we know now? the opportunity of a lifetime to follow the one who holds the power over death to the one who would be raised from the dead to the one that could cast out demons and give sight to the blind the chance to follow him you'd give it all up for that wouldn't you but before we say we would do we? Jesus goes on to teach that it's hard to be wealthy and follow God. It's hard. 
And then we have to admit we live in the United States of America, one of the wealthiest countries in the world. Depending on what measurements you use, we're always near the top. And then I have to say I have a roof over my head because my mother-in-law lives with me three cars in the driveway, food in the pantry, food in the refrigerator, and if I don't have enough food, I can pick it up on the way home and put more food in the pantry in the refrigerator. And I'm betting most of you can too. Jesus looks at us and says, it is hard to be wealthy and follow the way. It just is. Because we want the security that we find with wealth. It secures our well-being. I want the security. I don't want to go to the nursing home, but if I have to, I want to know that I can. I want to retire. I don't have to, but I want to know that someday I can and still be able to have the roof over my head, the food in the refrigerator, and the car in the driveway. We begin to trust in our own wealth, looking to our own securities, because we know better. God doesn't say you can't be wealthy. That's not what is being said here. Don't misinterpret this. If you are wealthy, you have been blessed. But as you'll hear me say over and over and again, blessed for what? Blessed to be a blessing to others, to be able to give it away with your treasure, with your time. You see, Jesus looks at this and looks at this man like he looks at all the other disciples. He loves them. He invites them to follow. But following Jesus is not a part-time, sometime, halfway, three-quarters-in kind of venture. Jesus will still accept you and love you and grace you, even if you're only three-quarters in. But you're going to miss out like this man missed out unless you were all in. Because Jesus says this is the way. From the Mount of Transfiguration in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus turns to the cross. It is the way where he will walk and give his life, all of it, for you and for me, for us. It's an all-in proposition. So as we follow the way, as we journey through Lent, I invite you to think deeply about those things. What is it you hold out from God? What is it like this man that you couldn't give up or would have a hard time giving up? Maybe you could, but you know it would be hard. I pray the Lord never asked me to give up coffee. But if it came to that, yes, the coffee's got to go. That's a joking way of looking at it deeply, though. What would be hard for you to give up? For most of us, it's control. Do I follow Jesus and where God leads? 
or do I go and do what Ed wants to do? That's the constant battle for all of us. But for the season of Lent, I invite you, just out of personal experience even, right? This is Baptist territory. I'm going to testify. The greatest life and place I have ever known is when I am all in for Jesus Christ and following where God leads. Whenever I do that, whenever my family does that, you can't believe the miracles and things that God does and how God provides. Always has. You've, some of you have heard me tell the story. We came here. How are we going to find a house? My wife was about to, at her wit's end, how are we going to find a house? And God looked, and I said, I started praying to God, God, i got to find a house because my wife's going to go just with anxiety. And the song came on, and they just haven't seen it yet. It's a Danny Gokey song. And God spoke to me and said, do you trust me? Haven't I always provided? If you follow the way, I will provide. I almost fell apart driving my car. Almost had to pull over. But I gathered it together real quick. Wow. The greatest place on earth is to be part of the kingdom of God. And the only way to experience the true riches of the kingdom of God is to follow the way of Jesus Christ. And it's an all-in proposition. God may not call you to sell off all that you have. This is not, right, an exact simile of what God wants you to do in life. But your whole heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, loving God. And Martin Luther put it this way, isn't it beautiful? But with all of that, God doesn't need your good works. But your neighbor does. All that you have been blessed with used to serve and love your neighbor. That's the way. Amen.